<laughs> Hello and welcome in to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. JJ Jerez here, Arif Dean in the heat of the summer, July 16th here, just smack dab in the middle of it. I've been and playing. We have no idea what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I've been, I've been playing a lot of golf lately, um, which I love. I've been watching a lot of golf. Hockey has not been on the front of my mind. Of course, I have men's league tonight. I've got men's league tomorrow. So that's really the only hockey on my mind. Arif, what kind of hockey is on your mind at this time of the year? What's hockey? Is that? Oh, the sport we cover. Uh, Not much of it, honestly. I watched tennis this morning. Uh, I watched a little bit of the WNBA All-Star Skills Competition for some reason uh, because I saw the the, the clip that went viral with the the 25 for 27 at the three-point line. Um, I've been playing a lot of puck doku actually. That's been the hockey that's on my mind. And, uh, I've been waiting for you to get into this cause it's a lot of fun. I have no idea what the hell it is. You sent it to me on Twitter the other day and I was as confused as I could be. It looked like you uh, anything. <laughs> Chinese to me. <laughs> I don't know. All right. No so you got, you got two columns and you just got to match a player that's played for both teams. That's, that's ultimately all it is. Puckdoku.com. They put up one board per day. And uh, I've been tweeting out all of my boards every single day. I get like one like if I'm lucky, but I don't care. It's a lot of fun. So like, for example, along the top today, they have the Rangers, the Blackhawks, the Red Wings. Along the side, it's Toronto, Boston, Montreal. So you just kind of got to match them and then, you know, pick the box that corresponds with the two teams. And you just got to pick a player that's played for both Toronto and New York, Toronto, Boston, Toronto, Montreal, and so on. And the cool thing about it is... It also gives you the percentages for how often that player is used. So, for example, you have a box for Detroit and Montreal. And the obvious choice could be somebody like Thomas Tatar or Chris Chelios. But your goal is to find somebody with as low a percentage as possible because you get a better score that way. So it becomes really fun, really entertaining. Detroit, Boston, you know, you can put Tyler Bertuzzi or you can do what I did and put Thomas Nosek and get 2% instead of probably something that was 30, 40, 50% in terms of how often he was used. So it's really fun. They do one per game, one per day. Um, This is, if you go scroll through the boards that I've been uploading, this is going to give you the true meaning of I am a hockey nerd uh, with the names that I've remembered on here. Uh, it's a combination of I watch hockey all day and night and scroll NHL stats all day and night. And it's also a combination of between the years of like 1999 and 2012, I played EA Sports NHL games every single freaking year with the franchise modes and the be a GM modes. And I just have this like ridiculous amount of knowledge. Like, for example, Chicago, Boston today, Alexei Jamnov. That was my guy. No, it's amazing to me, honestly, how much that helps something as easy as playing the video game and do playing it a lot. Right. I mean, you're going to suddenly become super familiar with the rest of the league. And and not only that kind of the way they use a lot of players Um, there's a lot of different ways you can really keep your hockey mind sharp. Um, Playing video games is one of them. So uh, I don't throw stones at you for that whatsoever. Yeah. And it it really does help. Like when you play the BGMs and you do the trades and you kind of like, You know, you kind of get an idea of who's played where and when, like Edmonton, Colorado. You know, there's a lot of ways you can go with that. I went with Tommy Sallow 
from back in 2004, the goalie that was traded. You can, you know, mix it up whenever you want to. My favorite was the Islanders and Rangers. I went with Tom Pody, the defenseman, instead of more obvious names like Yaroslav Halak. So it just gets fun. You get creative with it. And then if all else fails and you run out of names, uh, you can't think of anybody creative. Just put someone you know. The cool thing about it is there's nine boxes. You get nine chances. So you can finish seven for nine if you get two wrong. Um, and that's the fun part about it. Like yesterday's board, for example, and we're going to talk about this for another minute or two because we got nothing else to talk about, JJ. <laughs> yesterday's board, for example, one of the columns wasn't a team. It was 1,000 career games played. So basically give us a player for each of these three teams over here that has played 1,000 career games. doesn't have to be with that team, just in general. So for Minnesota, I was going to put Zach Parisi, but then I looked under and I was like, well, the column under is the New York Islanders. So let me put Parisi under the Islanders because that's probably going to be less used than Parisi with Minnesota because nobody thinks of Parisi with the Islanders. For Edmonton, you know, you can put Wayne Gretzky, you can put Mark Messier, you can put all these names. I put Chris Pronger. He was there for one year. I got 1% for that one, which is really good. Um, for Minnesota and Colorado, I got my first 0.0%, which means probably I'm the only person to think of this name. Wyatt Smith. <laughs> he was a center that played for the Avalanche like 10 years ago, like 20 games, and they signed him from the Minnesota Wild. So it's a lot of fun. It just kind of keeps your brain sharp the entire day. The cool thing about it is, you know, I'll open up the website on my phone in the morning. I'll look at it. If I think of a player off the top of my head, I'll put him in. And then throughout the day, as I get bored, I'll pull it up and I'll keep thinking and I'll try to get somebody in before the end of the day. And then I'll screenshot it and I'll post it the next day. So I'm not putting any spoilers out there. It's honestly so much fun to go back to your question in the beginning of how is hockey on my brain? It's literally just by this game. I love how much you love it. Um, you know, it's, I think it's perfect for you. Just uh, maybe stop tagging me whenever you uh, complete one of the puzzles. Oh, are but... you still getting tagged in all that? That's because I tagged you in one of them and I keep, oh, that's fuck. That's hilarious. Uh, but so no, there, that's... Was, there was one that had like six goalies. So I tagged you and said, JJ would be mm, proud. Yep. And I keep responding to it. So it's, it's continuing the conversation with you just ghosting me. We love that. <laughs> Uh, I ghost everybody on social media for the off season. That's just what I do. But no, that's the conversation I wanted to have, right? I didn't tell you that we were going to have this little off the top conversation. I wanted to actually put you on the spot and genuinely have Ooh. a natural conversation about it. So that worked. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you're staying hockey minded. <laughs> I'm trying. It's, it's, uh, it's a different kind of hockey mind. It still feels like an off season kind of hockey mind, uh, but it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. Well, that's like uh, the golf tournament I was watching. I forget the name of it, the one that Steph Curry won today. But you saw uh, Joe Pavelski playing in that. Alex Kalorn plays in it. TJ Oshie plays every year. It's just fun to see these other athletes expand into golf and just show how good they are at more than just hockey, more than just slapping pucks. And in Joe Pavelski's case, more than just swallowing pucks, right? <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things to do, so at the end when you, like, when you finish your nine shots because you get nine chances – whether you go nine for nine, eight for nine, seven for nine, so on and so forth, it'll tell you, it'll show you your score. And then it'll tell you what the most popular picks are. And, you know, obviously the higher the percentage, the more popular the pick is. So your goal is to stay away from that number and Colorado, New York Islanders. Who's the obvious name for you? Devon Taves. See, that's funny. That's what a normal person would say. My brain, the obvious name was Varlamov. So what I like to do is I like to pick an obscure name and then in my head, I try to 
figure out who's going to be the highest percentage name to see if I can get that one right. So for that one, I didn't put Varley or Taves. I put PA Parento. That was my random name. It's a 5% score. And then when the scores were, when I submitted and I was going to see like the final scores, I thought the most popular name would be Semyon Varlamov. And then it pops up Devon Taves at like 54%. And I was like, oh, looks like I forgot about Taves. So um, that's kind of the way that works. It's 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 really fun. And like I said, it, it keeps me entertained. And it it keeps me thinking about hockey at a time when it's July 16. It's 100 degrees out. Uh, there hasn't been a trade in a while. Uh, the only news around the NHL is whatever the hell is going on with the Tony D'Angelo trade that was supposed to happen which then became a buyout and uh, a former ab that we'll talk about later. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I guess we're still having two different conversations here. You about puck Doku, me about this golf tournament. Uh, <laughs> Steph, Steph Curry hit a hole in one yesterday, right? The last active athlete to hit a hole in one at that Joe tournament, Sackick. Joe Sackick. Yeah, exactly. I actually read that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so just a fun way that hockey just shows its face in the middle of the summer, and especially when you least expect it to, right? So just fun watching golf and hearing all the hockey names. But time to talk some real hockey, right? Avalanche hockey, and there's still stuff to talk about. Uh, more notably, Ross Colton deal still unsigned. Um, arbitration, of course, coming up. I doubt it gets to that point. But the Ross Colton situation, I guess, what do you see coming? Where, where do you predict this goes in the next couple weeks here? I'm really curious about this because I really thought it would be done by now. I'm pretty sure Ross Colton said that to Bennett over at the Denver Post when he got an exclusive with her uh, with, with him shortly after the trade. Um, I really thought it would be done by now. I thought he would have a contract. It sounded like the Avalanche uh, kind of had an idea of where the contract was going to go. I don't think the Avalanche would have traded for an RFA if it was going to be a difficult contract to sign. So I'm just curious what the holdup is. And and it's a really curious thing because I'm pretty sure Ross Colton is one year away from UFA. And is he trying to get a one-year deal out of this and then become a UFA? Are the Avalanche trying to lock him up for a term? Um, like, what's the holdup? Because it's been a while since that trade broke down and he still hasn't signed. And I'm just, it, it didn't seem like this was going to be an issue. It kind of seemed like the arbitration was more of uh Something that was, you know, he was going to do it anyway um, and then got traded and still did it because why not? You never know if things could go wrong. I'm not saying things have went wrong, but I'm just curious if it isn't, you know, as, as smooth as either side was hoping for when the trade happened. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm curious how it all how all that due diligence kind of goes down, right? Obviously, there's the conversation that they have before he uh, comes to Colorado and they they ask him if he is willing to sign here. I'm sure he said, yeah, but maybe they just didn't iron out all the details. Seems like there's a little bit of poker being played from Ross Colton's side. And uh, yeah, if, if they're trying to lock him up at term, he probably wants more money than they're offering based off what he's done so far. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious though, how how much due diligence is done in a situation like that and kind of how it how it's done is it strictly through the agent are there actual conversations with the player um and how in-depth are those conversations but i'm not i'm not asking you because i just assume you don't know i'm just throwing that question yeah, out in the yeah, universe yeah. 
Yeah. So here's the article that Bennett did with him shortly after the trade broke down. He said the arbitration eligible RFA is coming off a two year deal with a 1.125 average annual value. He's due a raise. This trade was a salary cap casualty for the Lightning, but the terms of his stay in Colorado haven't been discussed yet, Colton said. So that was before the trade. They hadn't been discussed, which is, you know, very normal. He said, hopefully my agents and them are going to talk this weekend and hopefully we'll be able to get something worked out by this weekend. I think this is the plan right now. I know everyone's kind of busy with the draft. So it sounds like Ross Colton, you know, his expectation or his hope, as he said, hopefully twice was the weekend of July 1st and it's July 16. Again, it's, it's not at a point to panic yet, but it makes me wonder the, the only th- like, again, this is all predictions because I don't know what's happening here. We're not, you know, in the brains of Chris McFarlane and the agents aren't going to tell us anything, even if we tried. But the only thing that I could think of is Colorado wants to lock him up for term. And I don't know that for sure. And the only reason why I feel that way is because, look, the Avalanche never used to lock up guys for term. This new you know, era of avalanche hockey 2018 till now, we'll say they never used to lock up middle six or bottom six depth for term JT Comfer got four years, but he got four years at an age where it's like, yeah, maybe he becomes more than just a third liner, which he kind of did this past season. And now he's getting paid like one, but they never really do it. But this year they so clearly gave a guy that nobody in their mind is expecting miles Wood to be anything more than a bottom six player. I think he's going to be best utilized as a fourth liner at some point during this deal. But I think he's also fine as a third liner. Cause right now with the salary cap crunch, it's not, you know, when you look at the avalanche roster, like when you sit there and be like, Oh, miles woods on the third line. And right now without an extra signing, it's Logan O'Connor. You can do that about every team. Like every team right now has an issue. Toronto. Nobody is happy about the fact that David Kampf is going to be the third line center. He should be a fourth line center. Tampa Bay, go look at their roster. It's like Connor Sherry and Luke Glendening replacing uh, Kaloran and Colton and Perry and Belmar and Maroon. Like they lost a lot of guys. So every team's kind of got a little bit of a hole right now. But because of the contract, the Avalanche gave Miles Wood because of what happened against Seattle and Colorado saying we are doubling down on those pain in the ass players that you and I were talking about the last few weeks of what they need. They got it with miles wood for six years. So it makes me feel like the only thing that I can come up with in my head for why this hasn't happened yet is the avalanche want to give Colton a long deal. So let's, you know, pull a number out of a bag, six year or five years, 17 million, which is 3.4 per year. I believe maybe something like that. 3.25 per year for five years. And Colton is saying, no, I'll take, two years, 6 million. And in two years, I can either go on the market and get JT comfort money if I break out, or I can stay here, but you know, I can pick at that point and make more money because the cap's going up. So that's kind of how I feel. This is kind of shaken out. I genuinely feel like it's going to go one of two years. It's one of two years, one of two ways. It's either going to be a one-year deal or it's going to be a four plus. I don't think two or three is going to happen. I think the Avalanche want the longer deal. I think Colton wants one year. And Colorado is just saying, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just give him the one year. And if we end up losing him, we traded a second rounder for him. Big whoop. I was going to say, I don't, I don't feel like the number would be that close and still not have a deal to this point, right? I, I can't imagine that both sides are agreeing on the dollar value and just not the term. 
and they're still stretching it out this long. I feel like the Avalanche are probably still kind of thinking ahead and thinking of what they want to do here before the offseason's over and maybe are being a little bit conservative with their dollar amount because they still, I mean, at least you and I have talked about a couple times, still probably have another move to make at least. Um, so maybe, you know, their uncertainty of what that looks like is kind of still holding this up for them to fully commit to a little bit higher dollar amount that, that Ross Colton might be asking for again, just theorizing but, here. Yeah. I mean, but I, but like to argue back at that, I kind of feel like it's the other way around. I kind of feel like before the avalanche enter the market to bring in another UFA, they want they to want know to, what it looks they, like. They want to know what they have to play with. So are you going to have the kind of money to play with where you can get a bigger name? And I use that phrase bigger loosely because I'm thinking bigger of what's remaining. So like, for example, do the avalanche have what it takes to go out and get the Evan Rodriguez of the market? The guy last year that shouldn't have been there and you got him for 2 million, which at this point of the year, 2 million is a lot of money. Or do the avalanche only have what it takes to go out and sign a guy for 800 K? Well, maybe that's determined by what happens with Ross Colton, what happens with Ben Myers. And obviously, you know, we know the cap, the cap picture right now, Colorado's $6.8 million under the cap. That's because of the LTIR candidate in Gabe Landeskog. So technically had Landeskog been healthy, the avalanche are 200 K over the cap limit. That's obviously not the case. So they're 6.8 under let's assume Ross Colton gets 3 million, three and a quarter. That gives you about three and a half million dollars of that three and a half million dollars. Maybe Ben Myers gets a little under 1 million. Uh, so you have about two to two and a half million. I'm also assuming that Chris McFarland wants to have a little bit of a, uh, a cushion so that you're not stuck in a situation where you have to dress one, one guy less because of, uh, you know, injuries or something that happened last minute. So it kind of seems to me like it's going to be the other way around. They want to see what Ross Colton signs for Ben Myers. I don't even see him hitting a million at this point. I'm assuming it's going to be a one-year deal. Um, and then from there they can go out on the market. Are you going to sign a bigger name or a lesser name? But it's, it's again, it's strange to me that it hasn't happened yet. It's no time to panic. It's not an issue for all we know while we're talking right now, Elliot Friedman can do what he's been doing the last four days and say, we have a pre-arbitration settlement between team and player and give us the deal. Um, but as of right now, it is a little bit strange to me that Ross Colton would outwardly say to a news reporter way, way back before July 1st on June 27, 28, whenever that trade broke down. I hope that, you know, the expectation is the hope is the agents are going to talk to the avalanche this weekend and we hope to have a deal this weekend. And again, the weekend being Saturday, July 1, Sunday, July 2, that was two weeks ago. Well, there you go. That kind of provides some insight into my question yeah. that started all of that. So um, I guess thanks to Bennett. Of course, he'll be uh, on the tour of the press box for <laughs> once we can get once here. we can get a hang of him, a hold of him. God knows where he is at this point on on summer vacation. So we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we can expect to see that done. I don't think it gets to arbitration. Obviously, both sides want to get it done sooner than later. And the Avalanche kind of have a way of just not sweating through this kind of stuff, right? I think that's kind of Joe Sackick out the helm, just like ah, it'll work out and. We'll get to where we need to be. I'm not worried about it. So, um, no, it'll be it'll be good to see how the Avalanche kind of navigate that number and what they do after that. That being said, what new conspiracies are you working on, Arif? What other free agents are there still out there? What other moves do you think the Avalanche can make? Because obviously, with Puck Doku, you've proven that hockey's on your mind throughout <laughs> the entire day. So, what what kind of pieces are you moving around in your mind that could potentially be ideas for the Avalanche here? I still think the Avs are going to bring in another winger and 
you know, my hope is, and this is not something that like, this isn't the hill to die on for me. If there was a hill to die on for me, and I say that loosely, it would be the third liner that you're bringing in, whether he's a winger or center, you're bringing in an extra top nine player so that Logan O'Connor can shift down a little bit. But the second thing that I kind of hope they do is they bring in another centerman to kind of challenge Ben Myers. I don't think we want to go, you know, and obviously there's Andre Pavel and there's all the guys that the college UFAs, but I don't think you want to go into training camp with Ben Myers being your fourth veteran center on the roster. And I say it like that because, you know, maybe Andre Pavel beats him out. Hell, maybe Jean-Luc Foudy beats him out. Like, you don't know who's going to beat him out. I don't even know if Foody's going to play center in the NHL. But you don't know who's going to beat him out. But the idea is you don't want him to automatically feel like he's the fourth most veteran centerman coming into training camp. Because it's Nathan McKinnon, it's Ryan Johansson, it's Ross Colton. And I, I cannot believe how often I forget Ryan Johansson's on the avalanche. That's so weird to me. But Nathan McKinnon, Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton, and then Ben Myers. So the hope for me is you bring in one more guy. The name that I have my eye on, I mean, the name that I'm obviously going to bring up is Jonathan Taves. That one still makes the most sense. But with the Ross Colton acquisition, is Taves willing to be a trooper on the fourth line just to say I get to play for Joe Sackick's team, who we know he grew up idolizing. It's why he wore number 19. Um, Or is he going to go somewhere where he's going to be more of a third line, maybe second line tweener? Um, or, you know, the avalanche could very well just be like, Hey, you know, Joe Hansen and Colton are kind of new here too. So you might get more minutes than you were, than you were expecting. Excuse me. Open um, competition there. Yeah, exactly. So Jonathan Taves is the obvious one, but the other name that sticks out to me, and I still can't believe he hasn't signed a contract yet is Pia Suter. Who's coming off a two-year deal with the Red Wings, 14 goals, 10 assists in 79 games. He plays 14 minutes a game. He kills penalties. Uh, he's good at the faceoffs. He, um, you know, is is a decent player coming off a two year contract where he was making three point two five million per season, twenty four points in seventy nine games. Again, it's not groundbreaking by any means, but it's enough to say this guy should have an NHL contract as a third or fourth liner by now. So, aside from Jonathan Taves, I would look at someone like Pia Suter who plays center and the wing as someone that you know, maybe is the guy that you bring in to challenge Ben Myers, or maybe he's the guy you bring in to play on the third line with Colton and and with Miles Wood. But that's the one name that sticks out to me there. Um, The other approach that the Avalanche could take, because we heard Evan last week mention uh, Jesper Bokvist, who's obviously now off the market. I'm really curious because we always talk about this. We always talk about the avalanche bringing in that big name. They never do. They always go for like the more under the radar signing, the blue collar player, but there are quite a few big names on there in terms of point production that it's a little confusing that they don't have contracts yet. I'm talking Thomas Tatar, 20 goals, 28 assists, 48 points. This again. I know this is two years ago, (laughs) all over again. Obviously Vladimir Tarasenko is kind of like up in the air. Patrick Kane, who we know is going to miss the first few months of the season. So like, are the avalanche interested in bringing in a guy on the third line who has that kind of offensive pedigree that can play in the top six regularly? That's more of an Evan Rodriguez type, or are they interested in bringing more of the, more of the guys that are like miles Wood, that are like Ross Colton that are like clearly bottom six players. Colton actually is a little bit more of a tweener. I don't want to give him that kind of disrespect, but clearly bottom six players. Uh, and those would be guys like Jesper Bokvist that, that uh, Evan mentioned last week. That would be Pia Suter. Those would be those kind of players. So like, 
the approach they take and the type of player they bring in is going to say a lot about how they feel about their team. You know, and there's also Max Comtois out there who's a young kid who should have kind of developed into, you know, taking that next step, but hasn't. So, like, I'm, I'm just so curious where they go. Well, I like what you said there when you were talking about Jonathan Taze. Perhaps they just bring him in and put an open competition. I mean, with this many new faces, I think you want to bring in the best names that you possibly can and then put the pieces together afterwards because you don't know who's going to bring what. You don't know who's going to fit into Jared Bednar's system and how much he's going to like the way they fit into his system that I think you can just load up on as much talent as you can afford and kind of feel good about the way you've bolstered the depth in Miles Wood, Ross Colton. You still got a guy like Logan O'Connor. You bring him back, Andrew Cogliano. That's some that's some some knuckles down there in, in yeah. the depth. So I think if you blue can, collar, that's what if, those guys are. If you can add um, if you can add a little bit more skill, I think you're going to set yourself up for a better look for training camp to kind of form. Because how how often have we seen Jared Bednar throughout the years throw together line combinations that we didn't even think of, right? Or and and just because of the way it works in his mind, the way these lines fit into his structure and the way they kind of bounce and gel off each other. You know, there, there's always surprises that show up. So why why not give him more fuel to surprise us with? Yeah, another name that sticks out to me is Thomas Nosek. That's another one of those guys, like I was saying, those depth pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, to me right now, because the Avalanche have the cap space, if these guys are looking for NHL jobs, I, I don't want to in November be talking about, you know, not specifically these names, obviously, because they're not around anymore, but Martin Kaut and Alex Galchenyuk and Jacob McDonald and Jason Megna. Like, I don't want that to happen again. If there are veterans that are desperate for a contract and need a contract, sign as many as these guys as you can. What made the Avalanche so good in 2022 is Nico Sturm and Nicholas Obey Kubel are not going to win you a Stanley Cup, but as your 13th and 14th forward, and for Abe Kubel's case, he was actually not the 13th forward to start. Newhook was. But as your 13th and 14th forward, those are very, very, very easy names to plug into an NHL roster when you have an injury. So, you know, you don't want to be one injury away from Jean-Luc Foudy, who's unproven, or from a, a couple of college kids or something like that. Um, you want to be one injury away from maybe Thomas Nosex, your 14th forward, or your 13th forward. So bring in the big skill name, you know, Jonathan Taves, like I said, he's still out there. I still think it would be really fun to bring in Taves and then later bring in Kane when he's healthy again. Um, As silly as that sounds, they would be nowhere near the top six. Hell, Patrick Kane might be in the top six, but Taves would be nowhere near the top six, Um, but it would be fun. Um, But aside from the skill, just bring in some depth and hell, Thomas Nosek, there's a nice little fun way to do that. He also wears jersey number 92, and I think it's hilarious that Gabe Landeskog was announced out, and the Avalanche already signed two of the guys that wore number 92 before this year, so why not bring in another one? Um, But yeah, guys like that, just get as many of them as you can, which also just made my brain kind of think about the idea and the fact that the Avalanche go into every training camp with a bunch of PTOs anyway. Mm -hmm. So which of these guys is not going to get a contract? Last year, Sonny Milano, I believe, went to Calgary Flames' training camp on a PTO, and then ended up signing with Washington, if my memory serves correct. So there are going to be some guys. It might be guys of the NOSEC echelon of of skill, P.S. Suter, guys like that, that are going to end up on PTOs, and you know the Avs are going to go fishing for those. 
Yeah, and again, with this many new faces on the team, I can easily see them maybe standing a la- pat a little bit and saying, let's just see what we have to work yeah. with and what kind of moves we can make come trade deadline to keep moving this train forward here. Yeah, I still think you need one or two more names just to not be, again, like... <laughs> I guess I mean standing pat as far as making a big splash with the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like, you know, if, if the Avalanche, all they did the rest of the way was sign two guys to league minimum contracts, and I'll just throw two names out there, Pia Suter and Thomas Nosek, because that's what we were talking about, and then maybe a defenseman of that similar, you know, ilk, um, that's fine. That's not a huge deal. I mean, we already know what their roster looks like. Uh, the only thing is right now on defense – Sam Malinsky is obviously a very, very intriguing name. And we'll talk about that with our guest next week, who uh, we'll keep that under wraps for now. Um, Sam Malinsky is a very interesting name, but from the veteran sense, you're one injury away from Curtis McDermott on defense. And you don't want that obviously. And and 100%, like don't get it twisted. Sam Malinsky would get the call up first. I, I would assume at this point, I don't want to put the kind of pressure on him that we did on Ben Myers last year, where it's like, yeah, Ben Myers is going to give you 20 goals and 15 assists. And he barely gave you 20 minutes of ice time the whole season. <laughs> like, um, so Sam Malinsky is, is obviously going to be in the picture, but from a veteran sense, it's Jack Johnson at number six. It's Curtis McDermott at number seven. You, you're going to want to add somebody to that just so that you go into training camp not feeling like you did last year where, come on, dude, like, can we not pretend that injuries didn't ravage this team last year? You don't have to overcorrect, but at least kind of keep that in mind, you know, and I'm sure McFarlane and Sackick are of, you know, we have a great team on paper, first night of training camp, but we might never get to see that team on paper like they did last year. They never were healthy enough to see it. Well, especially with the defensive group, right? I mean, the Josh Manson situation that you have already, and I feel like one injury to that defensive group and the whole group looks entirely different and yeah. obviously is weakened. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind having at least one more piece added to the defensive group. And, I mean, I you know, I'm – not to get too far into this conversation, but for the people out there that say trade Sam Gerrard, no. for that to be a possibility, you yeah. s- you got to have more names back there too. Here's uh, here's the thing about the uh, the Avs' defense right now: Sam Gerrard is a weapon that they have in their arsenal because right now Sam Gerrard's on your third pair with Jack Johnson. You are one injury away in the top four, so let's take Gerrard out of the equation. You're one injury in the top four away from still having a good top four because Gerard will jump in but having no third pair. Cause then it's what Jack Johnson and, and four minutes of Sam Malinsky. We know how Jared Bednar is with the kids nowadays. <laughs> um, so like Sam Gerard having him on the third pair, which, which is something that the avalanche very much value is really big for this team, especially the way he ended the season last year. Like let's not pretend Sam Gerard didn't have a pretty damn good final 35, 45 games of the year, which is like half the season. He was pretty good. So in an alternate universe, you know, right now the avalanche are 200 K. Let me, let me steer this in a different direction real quick to say this right now, the avalanche are 200 K over the cap. If Landeskog was healthy. So in an alternate universe, let's pretend Gabe Landeskog was actually going to suit up in two and a half months for opening night. What would the difference on this team be in the alternate universe? I would assume they're not signing Jonathan Drouin. So that's about seven, 800 K off the cap. That's off the cap. So that brings you to exactly the cap floor, but you still got to give Ross Colton a contract. 
So in my mind, Colton would still be here. Wood would still be here. Johansson would still be here. But Landeskog would be healthy. You wouldn't have signed Druen. Maybe in that alternate universe, you're trading Sam Gerrard's $5 million for a defenseman that makes $1 or $2 million so that you can use the remaining 3 or $4 million to give to Ross Colton. So maybe in that alternate universe, it makes sense to trade Gerrard. And maybe in that universe, you need to, you know, not have, I just said universe 17,000 times. It's like, I'm really, I just love that thought of we're, we're just going in depth on a hypothetical universe here. But yeah, but like, basically what I'm saying is maybe in that sense, you don't have the luxury of keeping Sam Gerard around on the third pair, but I'm going to say the same thing I've said since the first podcast I did when Landis Cog's injury was announced. This is the year that the avalanche can take full advantage of this and use that cap money the one year before the salary cap goes up. So now the luxury of having a Sam Gerard on your third pair, making $5 million being the 20 minute man, he is, you can keep that luxury for another year. And that's you in this that universe, luxury. right? That's in this universe. Yes. Yeah. That's in the, the, the current real one, not the one where Landis Cog actually plays hockey. And so, Sam Gerard is addicted to cigarettes. That's why you <laughs> had to trade him in the hypothetical universe. <laughs> yeah. I had to get rid of him for, um, but, uh, I don't know where to go with that one. I, I, I got stuck there. Um, but yeah, like in, in this universe, in reality, having Sam Gerard around is a very important thing to this team, because again, Josh Manson goes down. Well, your top four is still Taves, McCarr, Byram, and Gerard. Kill McCarr goes down. Not ideal, but you still got Taves, Gerard, Byram, Manson. But what happens is you no longer have a third pair. When Sam Gerard is playing with Jack Johnson, those guys are going to get minutes. When Jack Johnson is playing with uh, C- Curtis McDermott, they ain't getting minutes. It's not going to happen. They're going to both kill penalties for a minute and a half a game and be stapled to the bench. So that's a very long-winded way of saying, yes, the Avalanche need to bring in another <laughs> defenseman. They need another veteran in here. The obvious name, and this one is the equivalent of the Tatars and Canes and Tarasenko's, is Matt Dumba still a UFA. He's a right-handed defenseman. He's 28 years old. He had a bad season last year, but he's Matt Dumba, and he's a right shot. That's exactly what the Avs need. And I'm curious how long he's going to hold out to try to get the money that he wants to get, whatever the hell that number is. But that's the bigger name option right there and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's curious to see how he hasn't signed yet, so we'll see where he goes. But um, no, the long-winded answers are perfect, Arif. That's what makes us a good podcast team. If you just simply said, yes, I agree, they need another defenseman, this podcast wouldn't be so good to listen to. <laughs> um, let's get to our friends over at Superbook Sports, guys. We are changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now... When you use promo code MILEHIGH, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. So download the Superbook Sports app, enter promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Yesterday was my birthday, of course, and... The sports book that I like to use sent me $5 for my birthday and uh, I lost it immediately. So <laughs> I'm back in uh, in be- betting jail, I like to call it. But I-, I think once I come out of betting jail, I might hit up Superbook Sports here because a $250 bet basically makes it risk-free, right? I-, I can confidently go into a $250 bet saying I'm either making money or getting my money back. I love that. What a good deal out of Superbook Sports. So check them out if you haven't already. 
Um, let's get to storylines around the rest of the league, Arif. I think we need to start with the Alex Galchenyuk situation because I think that caught all of us very off guard, right? That just came out of left field. We were wishing Alex Galchenyuk the best of luck with the Arizona Coyotes. All of a sudden, this report that sounded nothing like Alex Galchenyuk. I mean, I guess I don't know. We didn't really get to know him too well personally, but you don't expect to see a report like that out of any real person in the limelight in general, right? Unless they're, you know, drunken actors or rappers or something of the sort. Yeah, and uh, Galchenyuk, the... If you want to go read it, go read it. It's it's obviously you just got to search his name to read the story. The one thing that I'll say about that is, is this is something that I often remind myself, you know, even though I grew up a massively like crazy hockey fan um, in the end, like as a media member and even as a fan, you know, people to a certain level, um, you know, the, the hockey Canada case from the world junior team in 2018 i don't think kale mccarr is going to be involved in it because of what they're saying in terms of college versus junior hockey players and things like that but there are going to be names that come out later this summer that are connected to that that's going to make a lot of reporters and a lot of fans and a lot of people be like i would have never thought this i've talked to them i've met them they seem like great people and this is just that reality check that sports athletes are your superheroes and and your favorite people to follow and 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 watch and and be a fan of but they're still people and and we don't know them as much as we probably think we do so that's kind of the way that i think about with galchenyuk because my least favorite thing to see i always used to see this before i ever worked in media and i never want to be this person is whenever something would come out let's use slava voinov as an example and this isn't a knock on the reporters that did this or the LA reporters, but it's just a very common thing we see. What's the first thing you see when a story like that comes out? Every single reporter that, ah, oh, I've, I've had nothing but great thing, great experiences with Slava Voinov. He's always been gracious with his time. He's always been great to me. I would have never thought this. And I always look at that and be like, well, so what? Slava gave you 10 minutes in the locker room after a morning skate when, you know, someone like Nathan McKinnon probably wouldn't or Eric Johnson probably wouldn't. Whoop to do. That doesn't determine if Voinov is a good husband, boyfriend, son, whatever at home in his own private time. So I just I never want to be that person. And I never I hope to never be that person where, you know, this is a terrible hypothetical to throw out there, but like if Kel McCarr was attached to that 2018 world junior thing, I'm the first thing I do is not going to be to come out and be like, but Kel McCarr is such a sweetheart. I would have never thought this again. I don't think Kel McCarr is attached to that at all, but like, I'm never going to be that person. And I've always hated when I would see people do that growing up and uh, before I ever worked in media. And, and it's just a reminder. It's just a reality, reality check and a reminder that, we know these people to a certain extent. And when we see stories like this, it's always going to be surprising to read things like this because you don't want any human to get arrested and, and charged with these kinds of charges. But at the same time, you just don't know who people are as much as you think, especially in a work setting like that. And to, to tail off that, you also don't know what kind of stuff these guys are going through, right? Obviously, his career hasn't been ideal and it hasn't played out the last couple of years the way he would have drawn it up right and so you know he's probably going through some stuff uh emotionally and obviously is just handling it poorly i guess from what according to this report so um i'm with you 
I'm not making excuses for him or, or any of the things he said by any means, but also, you know, it's got to be devastating to have your dreams coming true for such a small amount of time. And then suddenly it feels like they're slowly slipping away from you, no matter how hard you try. Um, and some people just cope with things terribly or, or differently. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I guess it's a, it's a good thing that the avalanche were able to, uh, get rid of him while they could and I, I still can't believe he was part of the ryan johansson trade i keep forgetting yeah. that was a thing yeah. i keep forgetting johansson was acquired by the avalanche and i keep forgetting it wasn't for future considerations it was actually for alex galchenyuk that was a trade yeah exactly <laughs> and then nashville just turned around and said ah we don't we, we have zero yeah. interest in you right and i mean that, yeah. that kind of stuff has to sting and that's been going on in his career for a long time so well again, i mean, not making excuses but yeah. uh you know things happen to people and you need to kind of take that in mind yeah. I mean, the thing with Galchenyuk is it's not even he went to Nashville and they're like, oh, yeah. So uh, are you guys going to sign me? And they said, no, it was he knew the avalanche threw him in because Nashville said, take this player. We don't want him. And Ryan Johansson and the avalanche said, well, we're at the 50 contract limit. So let's kind of go through this list. Oh, Galchenyuk, he's a UFA. We're not signing him. You're not signing him. Let's just give him to you so that he can go to UFA so that we can get our under the 50 contract limit. And Galchi's like, oh, good. Like, I'm just a pawn. <laughs> so, yeah. And then and then Arizona opens their ugly, wide, toothless arm saying, come back to us. We, uh, we'll take you back. And he's yeah. like, no, I've already escaped that place one time. I don't want to have to go yeah. back to Arizona. Well, beggars, beggars can be choosers when you have the career trajectory that Galchenyuk has seen the last five, six years, and this is probably going to spell the end of it at this point. He's, mm. he's born in 1994. He's going to be 30 at the end of this upcoming season. Um, he's going to have to go overseas probably. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what Voinov and everybody else does. I wish him <laughs> the best, but uh, when you see, you know, charges like that and, and see uh, remarks that were made toward officers, racial remarks and threatening remarks and things like that, it's, there's only so much you can, you know, hope for somebody to be better and, and, and that, but you know, in the end, uh, it is what it is. It's, it's again, it's just one of those reality checks to remember that athletes are simply that they're athletes and they're really good at a game, but they can also make mistakes and, and they're not perfect and, and they probably never will be. None of us will be sure. Yeah. Sometimes they can be absolute shitheads. Um, yes, that is very true. <laughs> just for fun, I don't know why I've always remembered this, but Slava Voinov, his full given name, Vacheslav Leonidovich Voinov. It's a pretty I, badass name. I don't know. I just uh, for some reason that yeah. sticks in my mind. I, don't, um, I, I didn't get the middle name there. I don't. I don't know how the hell you pronounce that so well. I know Vacheslav because that's every Slava Vacheslav Kozlov, Slava Kozlov, and the Red Wings was very popular but the middle name that was impressive thank you thank you leonidovich um any other storylines around the league standing out to you something you want to talk about get off your chest anything i mean really there hasn't been much excitement around the league a lot of lower name guys getting signed and that's about it yeah obviously the last time we talked it was in the middle of our show that the, the brinket trade broke we haven't seen anything nearly as big as that since uh i'm really curious to see what happens with eric carlson uh, there's a lot of talk that Kyle Dubas is making a push for him in the Carolina Hurricanes. Those are what the reports are. Um, at this point, I kind of feel like the San Jose Sharks have kind of overshot the market and they're now back at a point where not a lot of teams have salary cap space um, and you're pretty much not going to get a good package for him. You're going to have to retain a lot of money and you kind of dug yourself into a hole where 
you can't keep this player. Like Eric Carlson cannot play for San Jose opening night. It just can't happen. Uh, so now either the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to get him for a cap dump in Jeff Petrie and God knows what else you get from them. Or the Carolina Hurricanes are going to turn around and give you something a little bit better, but not much better. And the fact that the Tony D'Angelo trade that was supposed to be on July 9th between Carolina and Philadelphia ended up not happening and the Flyers resorted to buying out D'Angelo makes me think that the Carolina Hurricanes are like, phew, thank God the NHL shut that deal down on June 9th and told us to wait a month because now we're in the running for Eric Carlson. So we're going to hold off on this D'Angelo guy until we make sure we can get Carlson. But the Flyers had to buy him out because they were within the buyout window. And if Carolina didn't take him, they would have had to keep him. It would have been a whole thing. So Carolina now basically has D'Angelo as like a second fallback option to if they don't get Carlson. So that's the guy that I'm really looking uh, looking to see what happens with because he just won the Norris Trophy and he might get traded for seemingly nothing, just like Marc-Andre Fleury after he won the Vezina. Yeah, it's it's wild how many big dominoes are yet to fall. Um you know, you brought up Evan Rodriguez last year. Now it seems like there's 10 and Evan Rodriguez is around the league and still a lot of, I guess, hidden gems to be found. So. The trade market is pretty crazy. You know, Calgary talked about needing to trade a whole bunch of guys and only Tyler Toffoli was traded. The Winnipeg Jets talked about completely changing their core. They bought out Blake Wheeler. They traded Dubois, but Shifley's still there. Connor Hellebuck is still there. Are the LA Kings really going to go into the season with Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot making two, $2.5 Are the New Jersey Devils really going to go into the season with Akira Schmid and uh, Vitek Vanacek? Like there's, there's so much that hasn't happened yet that I'm just curious how it all shakes out. Um, because that trade between the Panthers and the Flames last year for Kachuk and Huberdo, it broke late at night on like a Saturday or a Friday in late July. And then Nazem Kadri signed August 18th. Evan Rodriguez signed around Labor Day in September. So there's going to be a lot of things I think that are still going to break. Obviously, we're in that dead part of the summer, but I think things are going to trickle out here and there from here on out. Still two months till training camp. It feels like it's it's a lot closer, right? So I'm like, oh, all these big dominoes still have yet to fall. Are they even going to fall? Are these guys going to retire? No, there's still plenty of time. There's still plenty yeah. of time in the offseason. We see We're NHL hockey a little more than two months away from training camp. That's what I said. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really long time. I did see something out there. I did want to throw this out there because I thought it was interesting. Before the Nashville Predators bought out Matt Duchesne, apparently there was a potential Duchesne for Kuznetsov trade on the table. Hmm. Where Duchesne was going to go to Washington and Kuznetsov was going to get reunited with Barry Trotz, who he won the cup with. And then didn't go through Kuznetsov, by the way, confirmed the reason why I remembered that was McClellan, the GM over in Washington confirmed that Kuznetsov asked for a trade. So there is a trade request on the table from Kuz and he's still with Washington. So again, that's another name, just like Shifley, just like Hellebuck, just like uh, Lindholm. If he doesn't sign a contract, who's the other one in Calgary, I'm forgetting about uh, Noah Hannafin. Like there's so many names out there that, John Gibson wants to get traded. Like it's, it's, it's the salary cap has kind of ruined the ability for teams to, you can only be creative as much as you can be creative until you run out of creativity. Cause there's no freaking money in the system, <laughs> but you know, I'm still curious how this goes. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, well, before we start diving into other universes, 
further. I think it's a good place to wrap up the podcast yep. for the week here. Um, so obviously, thanks for hanging out with us in this mid-July podcast. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.